Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, and thanks for joining me. On today's episode, I'll be talking about introversion and the perceptions or misperceptions that go along with it. But before I get to that, here's this month's example of the disc in Discovering You. If you listened to the last episode, which aired just before the Academy Awards, you'll recall that I looked at disc through the lens of Oscar category. This time, National Book Day is on the weekend, so I thought I would have some fun with the book theme. Here we go. Disc according to literary genre. Hi, D. I think it would be business books. Something about achieving results. I'm imagining a title like How to Crush the Competition. LOL. Hi, I. I think romance or slice of life. Definitely something incorporating love, fun, and adventure. For high S, I'm thinking well-being. Envisioning Brene Brown's books. Or things like meditating, mindfulness. And for high C, thriller or mystery. Something where the reader is accumulating clues and using strategy to solve it. Okay, back to today's topic. You may remember during the Enneagram episode, I used the word introverted as one of the descriptors for type 5, the investigator. I said I wanted to put a pin in that word to discuss it in more detail. But I did take a moment to clarify that introverted should not have a negative connotation. And I did that because, sadly, it's often perceived as less than ideal. Listeners, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Did you grow up with the impression that to be introverted was somehow less than being an extrovert? I'll tell you how you can share your thoughts with me at the end of today's episode. But before that, Heather, did you grow up with that perception? So I did grow up thinking that introversion was not less than being extroverted. It was you weren't friendly. Yeah. You were shy. You were all of those things. Yeah, I concur. I would say the same thing for me. Let's start with the definitions. Webster says, for introvert, a typically reserved or quiet person who tends to be introspective and enjoys spending time alone. You'll notice that this definition does not include the word shy. A common misperception is that introverted equals shy, and this is not true. Shyness is the fear of social disapproval or humiliation, whereas introversion is a preference for environments that are not overstimulating. I didn't even know that myself. I was definitely confusing the word shy with that too. So that was pretty eye-opening for me. For extrovert, definition, a typically gregarious and unreserved person who enjoys and seeks out social interaction. And then we have ambivert, a person having characteristics of both introvert and extrovert. The concept of introversion and extroversion was first introduced by Carl Jung in the early 1900s. He believed that extroverts direct their energy outwards, towards other people, and gain their energy from those encounters. Introverts focus their energy inwards, towards more solitary, thoughtful activities. So the distinction here being how you gain your energy, or charge your battery, so to speak. If you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, it was developed based on Jung's theories of introversion and extroversion. If you're listening and you're not really sure where you fall on the scale, you can answer the questions I'm about to read, and they should help you identify it. Just want to mention the source of this quiz is from Susan Cain's best-selling book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. What a great title. 
I highly recommend this book, and a lot of the information we're discussing today has come from it. You can also check out Susan's TED Talk. It's very enlightening. She shares a story about going to camp as a little girl, and I won't spoil it, but if you listen to it, I love what she packed in her suitcase. (laughs) Okay, without further ado, I'm going to ask these questions. It's going to be a true or false answer, and there's 20 questions. Here we go. Number one, true or false. I prefer one-on-one conversations to group activities. Two, I often prefer to express myself in writing. Three, I enjoy solitude. Four, I seem to care less than my peers about wealth, fame, and status. Five, I dislike small talk, but I enjoy talking in depth about topics that matter to me. Six, people tell me that I'm a good listener. Seven, I'm not a big risk taker. Eight, I enjoy work that allows me to dive in with few interruptions. Nine, I like to celebrate birthdays on a small scale with only one or two close friends and family members. 10. People describe me as soft-spoken or mellow. 11. I prefer not to show or discuss my work with others until it's finished. 12. I dislike conflict. 13. I do my best work on my own. 14. I tend to think before I speak. 15. I feel drained after being out and about, even if I've enjoyed myself. 16. I often let calls go through to voicemail. 17. If I had to choose, I'd prefer a weekend with absolutely nothing to do to one with too many things scheduled. 18. I don't enjoy multitasking. 19. I can concentrate easily. And finally, 20. In classroom situations, I prefer lectures to seminars. If you answered true to most of these questions, you are likely an introvert. And if you answered false to most of them, you are an extrovert. But for those of you who have a fairly equal split of true and false, you will fall into the middle. And this is known as an ambivert. So Heather, were you doing this quiz as I was reading out the questions? I absolutely was. (laughs) (laughs) And do you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I would have considered myself a hundred percent (laughs) introvert. It's almost an identity for me now. But going through the quiz, I did get two false answers. Okay. Interestingly, though, the two false answers, I think at some point in my life would have been true. Mm -hmm. But now, whether it's being older or having to go to work or do things like that. Yeah. I do love multitasking. So that is a complete false for me, even though. Huh. I got to tie that into your disc profile. That's because you've got that low S, right? And low S's are great at multitasking. And so for me, for that answer, I do not love multitasking. And again, S is my highest factor. So that's interesting. Yeah. I thought the same thing when you read the question and I was putting my answer. But yeah, taking it back, I would have originally thought I would have gotten 100% true. (laughs) So I'm a little surprised, but not surprised that I'm an introvert at all. Right. When you were reading the definitions, I had never heard them before, and it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. The energy is what it is. Because I, again, I also confused it with shyness. Right. I know. And I think so many of us do. And when you 
separate it and have a look at how someone is gaining their energy. I think that really opens your eyes and it allows you kind of to have empathy for the other, the opposite, because you kind of then get a sense of, oh, wow. So me being quiet and reflective, that's gaining my energy. But for an extrovert, going out, chatting, picking up on everyone else's energy is doing it for them. And it allows us maybe to relate in a way that we wouldn't have been able to. At least I think so. If you're listening and you're, you know, you got anywhere between, let's say, seven on one end or 13, anywhere in there, I would say, is sort of ambiversion territory. I'm curious to know, uh, listeners, if you were surprised at all in terms of how it turned out. I have a colleague who believes she was an extrovert. She answered these questions and was surprised to find out she wasn't. And then for me, like just to play off what you were saying, Heather, about how this maybe has changed over the years, I had originally done this quiz when I read the book, and this was a couple of years prior to the pandemic. And I came out completely even, right down the middle, scoring 10. Absolute ambivert. And then I redid it in preparation for this episode. And now I'm at 12. Still an ambivert, but definitely closer to the introvert side. I'm not sure if this is a reaction to being more isolated for the past couple of years, which is really interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I really miss the energy that I get from people and when I'm speaking in person. And I definitely was missing that and feeling my inner extrovert in those early days. That's kind of fascinating. Curious if maybe I do it in a year again, if it'll be right back down the middle to 10. To tie this into disc theory, quite often, but let me clarify, not always, high C's and some high S's are introverts. And high D and high I are more likely extroverts. High D and high I demonstrate very externalized behaviors. For instance, a louder tone when they speak, the use of hand gestures, you know, pointing, waving their arms around when talking, and expressing their point of view very directly. That would be D. (laughs) Or emotionally, that would be I. And then passionately. And that's for both. High S and high C demonstrate more internalized behaviors. They tend to be more reflective and analytical, softer spoken, listeners versus talkers. They take the time to process and digest before reacting. High S's and C's, like introverts, are sometimes mistaken for being cold, aloof, unfeeling. And this is not the case. They are just more in their heads, processing information. For an observer, especially an extroverted one, They may interpret the serious expression on the introvert's face and attribute a lack of friendliness to what they are seeing. I also see a discorrelation in the way cognitive capacity is expressed. Cognitive capacity refers to the total amount of information the brain is capable of retaining at any particular moment, and this amount is finite. How much capacity is being used towards a particular task at a given time is called cognitive load. For extroverts, they seem to allocate most of their capacity to accomplishing the goal at hand. This is definitely high D behavior, and sometimes I. And introverts use their capacity by monitoring how the task is going, high S and high C likely. Let me give you an example of what that means. Let's imagine an extrovert is in charge of teaching or relaying information to a group of people. The focus for them is going to be on the end result. Did the group learn what they needed to? If yes, this is considered a success. For an introvert, however, they are going to be focused on how the group is reacting. 
They're looking around, engaging if anyone looks confused or left out, etc. So if the group ultimately learns the information, but along the way someone was uncomfortable or stressed, then that wouldn't be considered as successful to the introvert. And their energy would be absorbed by monitoring that in real time as it was happening. You can see how that would be draining. I find it fascinating to see it delineated like that. What about you, Heather? I actually am a little awestruck at the moment having (laughs) hearing it. (laughs) Even in myself, when I'm trying to train people or trying to show people how to do things and they're not enjoying the process or it's not clicking and it's exhausting. But not in an exhausting way because they're not learning, but I'm taking on all their emotions. Yeah, exactly. You are monitoring that. And it, it is. It's that it's called cognitive load. I've sometimes heard people say mental load. Often this is referred to with mothers, <laughs> how mothers sometimes when they talk about just everything that they're doing in their in their day to day life at work, but also then their children's schedules and what's going on. And so yeah, when you think about that, that introverts are likely to carry this this different cognitive load in monitoring all those little steps along the way, I think we can see why maybe introverts kind of need a little break. They need a breather because all of that's going on. There's a famous study of introverts and extroverts where the participants had to play a challenging word game and they were wearing headphones with intermittent noises ringing in their ears. First of all, that sounds awful to me. But anyway, <laughs> they were allowed to adjust the volume to the level that they felt was right for them. The extroverts averaged a noise level of 72 decibels compared to the introverts who were at 55 decibels. Each group was comfortable with their noise level, so loud for extroverts, quiet for introverts, and they performed equally well in the game. You can probably guess where this is going. But when the introverts were asked to play the game at the extrovert noise level, and vice versa, everything changed. Introverts were overstimulated by the loud noise, and so they underperformed. For the extroverts, they were understimulated and possibly bored by the quieter conditions, and they also underperformed. This really makes you think about how schools, the workplace, and the world at large is set up. You can see that some conditions will suit extroverts well, but will take a toll on introverts. I can completely relate to the noise level or the volume level. Okay. I can't handle noise past a certain volume. I often say that to my husband. I'm like, can you just like turn your volume down just a little bit? And it's not like he's loud, but it's just I can't focus when anything is too loud. I'm the same. And (laughs) we have those conversations in our house all the time. Although that was nice of you to say your husband wasn't too loud. I tell my (laughs) husband, but I think it's true. He is the loudest human on earth. (laughs) Well, the other thing, too, is my husband can have the TV on and be watching things on his phone and Mm. all of this noise. I'm like, can you just turn one thing on? Like, just have one thing. It's not even a focus thing. It's like an irritant. Totally. It feels like it's sucking the life out of me. I can 100% relate to what you're saying about like workplaces being set up for introverts as opposed to extroverts. Totally. And I'm the same way. I have a really hard time tuning out distractions. People always tell me I have like fantastic hearing, but I, I don't know if I do. I just think it's that lack of, so I can be upstairs working and I can hear a conversation going on and I hear it's not going the way it should be. And so I call down something and they're like, how did you hear that? I can't tune it out. So there you go. In the book, Susan Cain explores how extroversion became perceived as ideal 
in the 20th century, especially in North America, and that somehow introversion has come to be regarded as, and I'm quoting, a second-class personality trait, somewhere between a disappointment and a pathology. Wow, right? When I read that, I had to put my book down and take a deep breath. How sad, how misguided, and also how true it is. True meaning that that is the perception, or has been. She says extroversion is an enormously appealing personality style, but that we've turned it into an oppressive standard to which most of us feel we must conform. Well, no wonder people feel like they have to conform when the perception of introverts is so harsh and limiting. And Kane warns that it's a huge mistake to embrace this extrovert ideal so widely. I love the example she uses to reveal what the world would be missing without the quiet and cerebral people, also known as introverts, who know how to tap into their inner worlds to create the following. Here we go. We'd be missing the theory of evolution, the theory of relativity, the personal computer, Google, Harry Potter. So, yeah. What would the world be like without classic introverts like Darwin, Einstein, Van Gogh, Yates, Spielberg? One of my favorite stories in Kane's book is about Professor Brian Little, a self-described introvert. He was invited to deliver a speech at a top military college. So, you know, he carefully prepared, he researched, he practiced, and his lecture was a great success. So much so that he was invited back the following year, and as it turns out, many years to come. But this time, he was invited to join the senior leaders for lunch before presenting in the afternoon. Professor Little knew that if he attended the lunch, he would use up his cognitive capacity and he'd be wiped out. The location was right by the Richelieu River, and he made up a story about having a love of ship design. And so to preserve his energy, he went for a long stroll along the river instead, enjoying the fresh air and sunshine. And he did this every year until the location changed. What did he do? He resorted to locking himself in a bathroom stall in between lectures. Maybe not ideal for ambience, but it was what he needed to do to charge his batteries. Personally, one of my pet peeves is the saying that someone needs to come out of their, quote, shell. This infers that they are doing something wrong and should conform to what others are doing. And assuming that throwing them into a chaotic situation is a good idea. I mean, maybe under certain circumstances or for a short period of time, but in general, it's not reasonable and you can't apply a one-size-fits-all strategy to people. When I went to university, I chose not to live in residence. And I hear a lot of, oh, don't you regret that now? Or that was such a life-changing experience you missed out on. Looking back, I'm actually impressed with how well I knew myself then. Don't get me wrong, there was a lot I still didn't know. But I'm glad I didn't cave to social ideals and pressures to do something that, on an instinctual, gut level, I knew wouldn't work for me. Now, could I do it for a short period of time? Oh yeah, and I did. I stayed in residence for Frosh Week and when social events were going on, and those experiences, maybe adventures is a better word to describe them, <clears throat> but they allowed me to enjoy that part of the university experience. But when it comes to learning, studying, working, I am best uninterrupted in a quiet environment on my own. And studies back this up. They show that introverts really struggle working in open concept workplaces that emphasize constant collaboration. Introverts tend to display higher IQ scores because of their calculated, analytical predisposition because they are more prone to think things through rather than their extrovert counterparts who can behave more impulsively. 
A great example of this is from a classic introvert, Einstein. He said, and I quote, it's not that I'm so smart. It's that I stay with problems longer. I love that. Another well-known figure is Brene Brown, and many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with her work. I think we can agree that when Brene speaks, she is engaging, confident, funny, and inspiring. And this is happening in front of a large audience. It may surprise you to find out that she's an introvert. Brene has said, most people find it hard to believe, but I am an introvert. I'm comfortable speaking to 2,000 people about my work, but drop me into a cocktail party with 50 people and I'm lost. Can any of you relate? I sure can. How about you, Heather? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There is often a misconception that if you're an introvert, you won't be good at public speaking or that you don't like people. Often, as is in the case with Brene and Professor Little, it is about being purpose-driven. Speaking on a subject that they are passionate about enables them to do it with relative ease compared to a social situation where they are out of their comfort zone and have to make idle chit-chat. Did today's discussion move the needle at all on your perceptions of introversion? You can record your questions and comments at discoverwhatworks.org and clicking on the podcast tab. Heather, how about you? Did any of this change your perception of, at the beginning, we talked about introversion maybe being seen as less than? I'm going to relate it back to my personality profile. Yep. I constantly fought with myself. I felt like my personality was contradicting itself. Yeah, And then when I learned about my profile and my high D, high C actually contradicting itself, yeah. it just opened my eyes to be like, this is okay and this is who you are and embrace that. And I feel the same way about introversion now. Mm-hmm. Growing up, it was you're a shy or you're a snob mm. because yes, you don't want to go to all the parties or you don't mm-hmm. want to do all the things. And now... I embrace being an introvert and all the good that comes with it. And I'm pretty open about it. You know, I do have extroverted friends that I try to adapt here and there for, but yeah, I'll schedule my week to be like, I can't have a meeting every day. Yeah. I need to have days where I just can decompress and work and do my work. Yeah. Well, and I think it's more about just having information so that you can embrace who you are Mm -hmm. as opposed to fighting who you are. But I don't know if that's just how I do things. No. Listen, you bringing that up about understanding your profile and now understanding where you fall on this sort of scale of of introversion, it is empowering because if we're fighting against something, we're always going to be in that kind of mode. We're going to be stressed. We're going to be we're going to be putting that forth into the world. If we are coming from a place of understanding then we can kind of lean into our strengths and say, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not good at going out and having networking dinners, but here is what I'm good at. And then that is really what you use. And here's the other thing too. When you're comfortable in your own skin and you know these things, even extroverts who maybe don't get that, they will pick up on that level of comfort that you're in that zone. And you're sort of then teaching people how to treat you because you're you're doing that yourself. You're putting that out into the world. The one thing that always made sense to me and I come back to it often is from that very first workshop that we did Mm -hmm. with you where you're like, potentially a high C isn't going to interview well in the interview Mm -hmm. process. And that is completely my entire life was like, if I can get through the interview, I will be great. But if I don't get hired, it will be because I mean, not saying I would should get every job, but you know what I'm saying? 
I don't interview well at all. And so I feel very fortunate in the opportunities I have because I either skipped an interview process or I got lucky or whatever. But yes. And, and the same can be said for introverts again, right? So often we're going to see a high C connection there with an introvert, you know, because they're more, they're in their head as it's going on. And remember what I just talked about with the cognitive capacity. So the whole time you're in your head measuring, is this the right answer? How am I coming across? All of that stuff. And so, yeah, it's sad. We've said it before, but oftentimes a high C or an introvert, they could be absolutely 100% qualified for the role and not get it because of an interview performance. But when people like employers and people who are working with them understand where their skill set is, then they won't be excluded from it. It'll be like, you know what? This is what we need this person to do. We do need them to be analytical, reflective, thoughtful, creative, all of that kind of great stuff. Well, and vice versa too, where there's potentially extroverts that interview great. Totally. I always say that an extrovert or a high eye will usually walk away with a job. Now, are they qualified for it? No, not always. That's a whole other reason there again for for disc profiling. Uh, it takes all the guesswork out of it. Well, I find this all super fascinating and I love that we're digging into it every time. Me too. Now it's time for our listener question. This week's listener question was sent in via email to discoverwhatworks at gmail.com. You can also send your questions there or send them on social media or reach out on the website. Okay, are you ready? Here's this week's question. Are there more extroverted people or more introverted people in the world? Thanks for sending that question in. And it's a really good one. The numbers as we have seen them traditionally tend to be about two thirds of the population identifying as extroverted. For those of you who followed or reached out or participated, I did a poll last week, so a little bit more informal, but my numbers also seem to reflect that in terms of more people saying extroverted than introverted. However, let me just say that there were only two options, uh, introvert or extrovert. And I think now that we know so much more about this subject, we have identified that ambiverts is a real thing. And I do think that the numbers would change somewhat if people had that as an option. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Looking forward to your future questions. If you're interested in booking Victoria for a speaking engagement or team facilitation, contact her at discoverwhatworks.org. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.